Ephesians chapter 6, if you will. We'll get started this morning, Ephesians chapter 6, and uh, we're going to talk here. We've been looking over the last 10, 15 weeks about Satan's strategies and uh, his devices and how he operates. And I was hoping to start, has started this last week, but with being sick and all, I uh, missed a week. So we're just going to work through this and then we'll, uh, and kind of really set up next year and what we're going to be looking at in the, in the, in the new year. And uh, the wonderful thing here, as we were looking at the Satan strategies, is I want us to begin to look at the provisions that God has made for us. Our equipping, our, uh, <clears throat> our sufficiency, if you will. And I, I want to do it by looking here in, in Ephesians 6 and starting in verse number 10. And I want to do, at, we're, again, we could spend a year just dealing with the armor and the pieces. We won't do that. We'll deal with some of it, and we'll at least get the, 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 the broader picture. But the issue here, Ephesians 6 verse 10, Finally, my brethren... Be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. What a wonderful verse. As Paul begins to conclude this great book of Ephesians. And he says, finally, my brethren. This verse in verse 10 summarizes the whole book of Ephesians, quite honestly. Obviously, when he says, finally, that's the great preacher thing. You know, finally, and he goes on for another hour. You know what this means, right? When the preacher looks at his wrist... Absolutely nothing. Uh, actually, for me, it's down here. It means absolutely nothing, okay? Philippians chapter. Uh, Philippians has four chapters. Chapter 3, verse number 1, he says, finally, and he goes on for two more chapters. So he's not going to do that here. I don't want to do that with you. I just want us to see the tremendous issue, the tremendous provisions here that God has given us in his Son as we... Go day by day. We just sang that song there about standing on the promises. And as life begins to blow at you, and as life begins to get, get on you, and, and it can get on you. It really can. You, I mean, we don't need... You, you look around the world today, and everything's kind of all topsy-turvy and all this... And then as the older you get, the worse it looks. And as the younger people are going, what are you talking about? This is great. And the older, oh, you know... It's, and it's just the, the cycle of it, and it's how it works. But as believers, as those who know who we are in Christ, the Lord has equipped us. God the Father has equipped us. He's made some provisions and he's equipped us to handle the combat, to handle the attack of the adversary. And he says, "Be finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Now, we're going to look at the first half of that verse this morning. Be strong in the Lord, not in yourself, not in your own strength, not in your own resources, your strength is in who God has made you in His Son. And that's, that is so fantastic to understand. And then he says, and in the power of His might. Power. Again, not your resource. The power, the energy in the believer's life is in the Lord. Not in your resources. Not in you trying to do 
but rather what he has already done. And what tends to happen in Christianity or Christendom, as it gets said, is that the lack of understanding and the lack of, of seeing yourself in Christ becomes the very root of all unbelief. It becomes the very root of all failure. And when we fail to experience God's love and His life in our life, we then begin to do stuff that we're not supposed to, you know, we get off into other things. And we get off of this central theme here of being strong in the Lord. And, and again, folks, if you fail to understand who you are in Christ, you're going to fail to experience the comfort of God's love. And that's tremendous as we think about what He's provided for us and what He's equipped us with. So we need to appreciate who God has made us in Christ. And in doing that, that's where the ultimate provision that God has made for us, all that He has given to us in Christ. That word grace, you know, Christ's expense or God's riches at Christ's expense. That is such a weak definition of that word. Grace is all that God is free to do for you and to you because of Calvary and because of the cross work of Christ. All that He's able to do. He's, he's equipped us and we're to be strong in who God has made us in His Son. So he brings this wonderful book of advanced doctrine to a close with a warning and a reminder of God's provisions, God's equipping, God's armor that has been given to us day one to then come in and handle, to deal with, to stand against the wiles, verse 11, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. To stand against that, the wiles, that, that over in chapter 4 of Ephesians, verse 14, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. And we looked at Colossians 2, and we saw that real-time attack and the, the enticing words and the philosophies and the traditions. And we see the attack of the religion and religious ideas and religious training and upbringing. And we begin to see all that. And he says, hey, you're going to stand, be strong in the Lord. So as he brings this book to a closure, he gives this exhortation here. The book of Ephesians, there are six chapters, and you can break it up in three and three. The first three chapters deal with doctrine. Chapters four to six deal with duty. Or you can say, first three chapters are our blessings in Christ. Therefore, four to six is our behavior. Or you can say chapters 1 to 3 is our calling in Christ. And then 4 to 6, therefore, it would be our conduct. Or you could say the first three chapters is our wealth in Christ. 
And then in four to six, here's our walk. But at the end of six here, he comes in and says, you know what, guys? There's going to be a battle. There's going to be a conflict. There's going to be a warfare, and you need to be ready for it. And you need to be ready to stand. And you need to understand that the adversary doesn't appreciate what God's doing today, and he resists it, and he stands against it, and he's pushing against it, and he's causing you to not focus in on who you are in Christ. He, causes, he wants to move you away from that identity. So Paul says, finally. Then he says, my brethren. Very interesting. My brethren. He comes in now and he, and he begins to talk to the whole of the church, the body of Christ. Come back to chapter 1 with me. Just I hope you appreciate this as we begin to look here at the provisions. Look at Ephesians 1. Look at verse number 1. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, to the saints which are at Ephesus and to the faithful in Christ Jesus. Do you see the two groups? There's two groups there. There's the saints and the what? The faithful. Isn't that interesting? At the great church at Ephesus, Paul spent three years there or so. And, he's, and he comes down and he says, you know what? They're saints. Everybody's a saint. You know the Corinthians are saints. You read the first and second Corinthians and, man, what poor behavior. Oh, my goodness. You know, just awful. And yet, what are, who are they? Saints. But then there's the group that are and faithful, but notice where? In Christ Jesus. The theme of the book in Ephesians is, is always going to be in Christ. In Him. In Christ. By the way, we won't look at it this morning. All through the book of Ephesians is a great exhortation of the love of God. Love of God. Walking as children of light. Love. Boom, it's all there. Come over to chapter 4 of Ephesians. So we've got saints and the faithful. Chapter 4. Chapter 4, verse 17. He starts the second half of the book. And he says, This I say therefore and testify in the Lord, that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind. What's going on at Ephesus? There's some people walking like the Gentiles walk. And then there's people who aren't. They're saints, but there's those that have fallen off to go and do activities that are not becoming of a saint. And then there's the faithful in Christ, maintaining the course. Chapter 5, verse 18. Chapter 5, well, verse 15. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as what? You see, he says, we got a foolish saint and we've got a wise saint. It's interesting. Everybody's saints, but there's but not everybody's operating on the same maturity level. Verse 18, what does he say? And be not drunk with wine, where is that in excess? But be filled with the Spirit. And 518, 5.15 to 6.10 is this great exhortation of what it is to be filled with the Spirit. Colossians, the comparative passage in Colossians 3 is, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Be filled. Let, let the Holy Spirit and the word of Christ come in and control and fill up your life and direct your life and, and begin be the influencer in your life. 
I was reading online about the influencers and how they do this and that, and it was all about doing a side gig. I guess that's the new thing, a side gig, so you can make money. It's like, how about go to work, you know? <laughs> all, everywhere you turn, there's help wanted signs, and that they're over here doing, you know? And uh, I, I watched this uh, Overlander group, and it's a camping out in the middle of nowhere, and I'm like, how do you people, I actually asked a question to the group, how do you people make money? Because to run that rig you're running costs money. And you know what? Nine out of ten of them are influencers. TikTok. And I'm like, oh, okay. So you really don't work, you know, and so forth. But what's to, who's to influence us? The Holy Spirit. The Word of Christ dwelling richly in us. What I want you to see is when he says, finally, my brethren. He's into the big group now. Whether you're a, a wise saint or a foolish saint. He's talking now to the whole of the group. He comes in and he says, hey, look, listen, you guys ought to be spirit-filled. You ought to have your life being run and controlled by the Holy Spirit working in you. That's what verse 19, 20, and we've talked about this. We spent weeks studying this out. Because where does Paul go when he talks about being filled with the Spirit? He doesn't go out here into the ivory tower. He goes right in where life happens in your life. He starts with you and what a spirit-filled life will look like in you and in your volition. You've chosen to let the Word of Christ dwell in you. You've, let, you've chosen to let the Holy Spirit influence you and direct you and teach you. So what is it going to do? It's going to look this way in the role of a wife. It's going to look this way in the role of a husband. It's going to look this way in the role as parents. It's going to look this way on the job. It's going to look this way as you do what? What are we doing? We're doing life. That's what we're doing. Next year, the theme of next year is going to be the great, the grace reset. You guys have all heard about the reset coming in the, in the economy and in the world. Well, we're going to do a grace reset. And we're going to focus in on some of that. Why? Because that's life. And I'll be honest with you, life can stink sometimes. This past week, Linda and I, <laughs> I looked at Linda this morning, I said, this has been a very long week. And she said, well, we did in, two, in three days or in a week what we were supposed to have done over two weeks. I'm like, yeah, I guess so. To catch up. You know, and I'm like, well, shoot, okay, then I don't feel so bad. You know, but what life gets in the way, things happen. How do I respond to it? Where's my walk to be? What am I to be doing? Because the course of this world doesn't care what God's doing. The adversary hates it. And if he can cause you, come on over, it's chapter 6 now, verse 10. If he can cause you to be moved away from being strong in the Lord, not in your capacity. If you're trying to be strong in your capacity, you know what you're going to be? You're going to be frustrated. You're going to fail. You're going to get mad. If you're trying to be strong in the capacity of your spouse or of your children, you know what's going to happen? Same thing, because they're going to let you down. They're going to drop the ball. That's why he says to all of us equally across the board, no matter where you're at on the spectrum of understanding. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord. I love that, in the Lord. Not by the Lord. What does religion try to do? Well, the Lord's going to come along and help you and prop you up. And No. 
you're already in the Lord. It isn't by the Lord, by the Lord coming and helping that you that we're going to be strong and stay. No, we are already in Him. Who are we in Christ? We're in Him. Be strong in that. That's why the, the new Bibles, when they make you to be saved, you know, being saved, and they make you saving all the time. No, you are what? Saved. It's done. You're in Christ. So the strength here, he's given us an identity. And when we live our lives in our identity that comes from God and who he has made us in the Lord Jesus Christ, and our strength comes from that identity, be strong in who he's made you. That's what Paul's saying here. There's an adversary coming. There's a, there's a, there's a warfare. There's a, there's a battle. There's a conflict. You're not immune to it. It's going to happen. So what do we do? We come in and we say, you know what? My strength is going to lie in the one that's never let me down. My strength is going to lie in the one who's always there. And we have to begin to give great attention to who we are in Christ. You know, folks, when God the Father looks at you, He sees you in the spiritual accomplishment of His Son. Because that's where He placed you at the moment of your salvation. That's where He sees you. He sees you there. And what we are to do is we're to rest in those accomplishments. We're to arrest, we're to rest and relax in his finished work. When he said it is finished, that seventh saying from the cross, he didn't mean maybe next week we got to do it again. He said, What? It's done, it's finished, it's over. Everything's taken care of. Then through the pen of the Apostle Paul, we come to understand that not only did he take care of and die for Israel and as Israel's Messiah, but he came and did that for the whole world. And now the mediator between God and men is the man, Christ Jesus. And and you know what we do? Oh, that's wonderful, great, woohoo, yay. You know, we believe it for justification, but then for life we just let it go. The book of Ephesians is not about justification. The book of Ephesians is about life. And this great cosmic plan that the Father has centered in His Son and made you and I a part of. And as we learn that and as we grow in that, we're to rest in that. Now religion comes along and says, you can't do that because then you look weak. And you don't want to look weak because the weak don't survive. But yet, what did God say to to the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians 12? When he begged for that thorn in the flesh to be taken. And he said, my grace is sufficient, for when you're weak, I'm strong. Now, that's my paraphrase of the verse, okay? So what does he do here? When God looks at us, folks, he sees us in the spiritual accomplishment of his Son, in him. That's the issue. That's been the whole issue in the book as a whole. Come back to chapter 1. Just 
chapter 1, as you come through. Now, by the way, Ephesians 1, verse 3 to 7, is a summarization of the book of Romans. At 1.8, now we got new information following. Okay? What 6.10 is going to do is summarize the whole book of the book of Ephesians, but it also summarizes chapter 1. 1 verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Notice who's doing this. Who is the, the, the pusher? Who's the doer here? Is the Father. Okay? Who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. Where? In Christ. Where's the focus going to be of the Father? The Father's focus in Christ. Come over to Colossians 2, just real quick. Actually... Yeah, Colossians 1 should be. Colossians 1. Colossians 1. Verse number 16 we see, For by Him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by Him and for Him, and He is before all things, and by Him all things consist. And He is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, see this now, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the what? The preeminence. He's the issue. For it pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell. Ephesians 1 verse 3. Where's all the spiritual blessings? By the way, all. All what? Spiritual blessings. You know what all means? All. It means complete in Him. It means you're not lacking anything. The moment you trust Christ, the moment you place your faith and your trust and your belief in the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ and His death and His burial and His resurrection, He blesses you with all spiritual blessings. Now, you don't know that because you're just lear- you just learned what? I ain't going to hell. That's what you just learned. I mean, you think about what you're, you know, I'm not going to get toasted. Woo! Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Then you get into study and you begin to learn about what? All the blessings. What, what does religion do? What does the adversary do? You need to do to get. First Timothy 6, he talks about gain. They think that gain is what? Godliness. And yet, what does Paul say? Godliness is what? Contentment. Godliness with contentment is great gain. Folks, why are you striving to get something you've already gotten? That's the point. Notice what he's doing. In him, in Christ, life begins in your spiritual life. It begins in your inner man. I heard Alex Kurz one time say, you know where your life began? It began in a cemetery. It began in the graveyard, the throne, the, the tomb of our Savior. That's where your spiritual life begins. That's where your eternal life begins. Do you know that everyone in this room that's in Christ, saved, justified, your eternal life started the moment you trusted Him? That's fantastic. You know what that beats? That beats a bad week in the Dow. It does. That beats a bad week in election time. Neither yay or nay. It does. It beats a bad week when Twitter makes its little file dumps and everybody's up in arms. It, makes a, it takes care of all of that. Why? Because I'm focusing in on who I am 
in Christ. Who am I? I got it all, man. Look at verse 4. According as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestinated us unto the adoption of, the ch of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. Look at what he did with you. He knew you were coming. And he makes a, a, an agency, the church, the body of Christ, available. Think about that word. I love that word, predestined. Predestinated. You know what predestinated means? Destination of the item has been predetermined. What's the item here? The item is the adoption. Now, adoption in Scripture is different than adoption in our society. What did God, before the foundation of the world, choose to do? He says, I'm going to have an agency. We're going to call them a body. We're going to call them the church, the body of Christ, and I'm going to bless them with all blessings, and I'm going to make them holy, and I'm going to make them without blame, and, it's, and I'm going to give them the status in the family of an adult. That's what adoption is, an adult. He takes you the moment you trust him, and he places you at the big table, Thanksgiving, the adult table and the children's table. I remember graduating from the one to the other. And, oh, I finally made it. woo -hoo! Maybe you did. Maybe you didn't. Okay. I got up there and, oh, how boring. I want to go back. You know, at least I was the head, I was the oldest at the table. I could run the show, you know. You know. But what, he says, no, come, sit as an adult. You sit here at the family table like an adult. Now, an adult doesn't know everything. So what do we have to do? We have to study and learn and grow, okay? He doesn't say you're an adult and you know it all. He says, no, you're just, I'm going to treat you like an adult. You know how you treat children? you got discipline. How do you treat adults? Discipline, by the way. It's just not the corporal time. It's a Take some time in your reading, three chapters a day. Pay attention to how Paul talks to the Corinthians and the Galatians. He talks to them as a dad with a child. But then go read Philippians and Colossians and how he talks to mature people, adults. He doesn't talk that way. It's a completely different type of conversation. If you have kids, you understand that. If you don't have kids, then you still understand it, okay? Be an adult. Verse 6, to the praise of the glory of His grace, wherein He hath made us accepted in the Beloved. Oh, my goodness, the Beloved. Acceptance. The number one issue in our culture for all time, really, is the issue of, of acceptance. Because I get my, my identity when I am accepted. That's what we think. That's, what we've been, that's the course of the world. That's the system. So what do I do? I get my acceptance over here because I follow this team or that team or I do this and I don't do that. I belong to this group and that group. We were going down the road this morning and a, and a guy on the bike went by and he's got a biker stuff all over his back. And we, uh, he was by himself, so he was off and running. And I can remember back in days gone past for me and reading about what it about the biker club community and then i read a book by a guy that was not against them but was shedding some light on them and he said everyone in the community is looking for acceptance 
They didn't get it here, so they're getting it there. He's a psychology guy, okay? That stuck with me because what does verse 6 say? Where are we accepted? In the beloved. That, that phrase, that, that title, beloved. The Lord uses that only one time. The Father does with the Son, and he says, there he is, my beloved in whom I am well pleased. That's why God the Father looks at you in the spiritual accomplishments of his Son. Because where is his, where is his pleasure lie? In his Son. Where is your acceptance lie? In his Son. Not it. I know we get it in our spouse. I know, you think about getting it in a job. What happens? Here today, gone tomorrow. Now what do I do? If my acceptance is all wrapped up in that, in the job, what happened? Now I've lost my identity. No, your identity, that job is to take care of mom and the kids and everything else that you've got to do. So you, you don't get your identity here. You get your identity over here in the, one, the beloved, the beloved, the one that's loved. Man, what a tremendous verse here. We're accepted in the one who the Father finds all of his pleasures. He took my sin. He took my guilt. He took my failure. I beloved. He was made to be sin for me. No matter what life brings, that never changes. That's why it's be strong in who? In Him, in the Lord. That first provision that God gave you was this identity in Christ. If you get your identity in me, I'm going to drop the ball on you one day. I will fail you. I will let you down. But He will never let you down. He will never fail you. It gets better. Verse 7. Not that it, I mean, wow, how can it get better? Well, in whom? We have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. See how rich you are. You are wealthy beyond measure. Redemption. To that word redemption, to pay the price and set it free. We were in a, up on the Navajo reservation, we were in a trading post, and I went in, and as we like to look around and see things, and we were there, and I saw a uh, Pendleton blanket hanging, and I liked it, you know, it tricked my trigger. I'm like, hmm, how is it? So I go get the young man working at the front, and he said, well, that's a dead pawn, so it's for sale. In other words, it's run its course, and we're trying to get our money back. I said, great, let me have that. And you know what he did? I redeemed it. And then I set it free in the, on my bed. <laughs> okay? That's redemption. What did he do to you? He redeemed you from the slave market of sin and from the, the guys and from the control and from the... And he did what? He set you free. He set you free from sin. What, what does Romans 6 say? He, you are made freed from sin. Sin doesn't have control over you anymore. You don't have to sin. You're free. That's liberating. Come over real quick. Romans 6. 
verse 18. I'm a little more animated this morning. Why? Because this is where the provision is. This is where life is. Look at Romans 6, verse 18. Being then made, what? Free from sin. You became the servants of righteousness. Isn't that fantastic? You are free from that. You don't have to succumb to it. Now, we do sometimes. We, Paul knows. Uh, by the way, come back there to uh, Ephesians. On your way, get Colossians 2. Colossians 2.13, the comparative passage, the end of that verse says, having forgiven you all trespasses. He knows you're going to mess up. That's why he says all trespasses. Go back to Ephesians 1. He gets that. He knows you still have that old sin nature. He still knows you have that flesh there. But you know what? You don't have to feed it. You can say, I am free from that, and I can get that off the ledger of my mind, and I can put on that I am been redeemed. That's why Ephesians 1, verse 7, he says, the forgiveness of sins. Forgiveness, to send it away. Where are we going to send it away to? The cross. At the cross, he liberated us from the hurt and the harm of sin. He paid our second death, the penalty. When he cried, it is finished, the song says, the war is over. It's no more. It is finished. It's done. So now we not only do we have peace with God, but we can now also have the peace of God. And because we have that, now we can have peace with everyone else. You see, we are forgiven. So now we know how to be, we know how to forgive. Look over at chapter 4 of Ephesians and verse 32. You see, the wonderful thing about being forgiven and having forgiveness is we know what it is to be forgiven, so now what can we be? We can be the first to forgive others. Ephesians 4.32, And be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another. Now watch, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. Now we get into that wonderful doctrine of forgiveness. And that interaction now that, now that we can have with life. We, now, we know what it is to be forgiven, therefore we can forgive. And you know what that brings about in life? Peace. Liberty. Freedom. That's tremendous when life knocks you upside the head. It's tremendous when the battle is raging and just beating on you. That song about beating on the bulwark. And all that the adversary is doing is trying. He's looking for there to be a crack in the wall, a hole in the dike. He's just constantly pounding. And all you're going to, you know where you're going to get your strength? And who you are in Christ. Chapter 1, go back there, Ephesians, verse 8. Now here comes the new. Now, verse 3 to 7 has been a rehash of Romans. And the doctrine we've already learned. You know what Paul says? You already know this. You ought to be living in it. You ought to be operating in it. Now verse 8, I'm going to give you some new stuff. New identity. More to your identity. Revealed truth. Wherein he hath abounded toward us. I love that. Wherein he. Wherein. Wherein what? According to the riches of his grace. The end of verse 7. The riches of his grace. 
you know, the rich, how wealthy we are. And he says, wherein? In that wealth, he's abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known unto us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he hath purposed in himself. God has a plan. He's got a purpose. And you know what he did? He makes you and I a part of that plan and purpose. And not only does he make us a part of it, he then reveals the wisdom and the truth about that. We get saved. He puts us in Christ. And he puts us in the plan and in the purpose. Your eternity will not be boring. Your eternity will be exciting. It'll be exhilarating. It'll be the best day of your life over the rest of your, uh, well, eternity. (laughs) It's just going to be so, that exceeding wealth. It's just going to be fantastic. You're going to get there and go, man, it couldn't get any better, and the next day is so much better. And he's made that known to us. Verse 10, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times, he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in him. All of it centers in Christ. The great cosmic plan, Genesis 1, that great plan that he has, if I'm going to find myself, if I'm going to find my purpose, if I'm going to find my my existence and why am I here, I'm going to find it in his Son. Because that's where it all centers. Verse 11, in whom also we have obtained and... Oh boy, don't you... I love inheritances. I said that to my dad one time. He goes, well, you do not have a rich uncle, and I don't have no money, so I don't know what you're inheriting. I said, as long as it's not bills, I'm good. <laughs> you know. Then I've learned on bills, you just write deceased and send it back and hope they leave you alone. <laughs> you know, An inheritance. Isn't that wonderful? In whom we have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated according to the purpose of him. See, that? there's that predestinated again. What's the item here? What's been predestinated? The inheritance. It's been predetermined that you and I, we're going to obtain an inheritance, and it's going to be out there in the the future. According to the purpose of Him which worketh all things after the counsel of His own will. What's the counsel of His own will? He just revealed it in verse 9, said, I've made the mystery of His will known. What is it? Verse 10, that in the dispensation. Look at, hey, the counsel of His own will is what? Out there in the future to promote... To make the center of it all his son. And he says, You're predestinated. Your destiny is determined to be a part of that. Man, that just, I get some goosebumps. Because you know what that does for the nasty now and now? It makes it tolerable, it gives you hope, it gives you sustainability to get through it. It gets you, you look at it and say, You know what? I can get through this. It's all common to man. But God is able. He's made a way. What's the way? Here's the way, folks. The doctrine, the truth of who I am. Be strong in the Lord. Verse 12. That we should be to the praise of His glory who first trusted in Christ, in whom ye also trusted after that ye heard the word of truth. Notice you've got to hear the word of truth you got to hear the gospel. 
But you know what? There's more to it than hearing it. There's more to it than knowing it. I know people who know the gospel who are lost on their way to hell. You know why? Finish the verse. The gospel of your salvation in whom also after that ye what? You got to believe it. You know a lot of stuff. I know a lot of useless information. I really do. It's amazing. It's shocking. But you know what? I don't believe it. What do I know? If you know the gospel, what do you have to do? You have to believe. It's unto all and upon all them that believe. We've all been around people. Maybe you've sat in a church knowing that Christ died for your sins, but you didn't believe it. You didn't trust it. You knew it. You thought you were good to go until one day it was like, what a minute here. <laughs> Help. It's not enough to know. It's not enough to hear it. I have to believe it. Then he says, you were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of his glory. You're sealed. Christ died for your sins. He was raised from the dead. And that resurrection is a demonstration that everything has been paid. All the sin debt has been paid. It's paid in full and resurrection. Now I have a newness of life. Now I have an assurance of life. I've been sealed. That gives us this, this promise of a future. And verse 14, I got the guarantee. We went to Spencer's and bought a washer and dryer a couple years ago. I know, I'm sorry, this is the refrigerator. The warranties come up on it. Yeah, right. So I called the store and I said, hey, the guy that sold me this set was good for 10 years. We're five years in. He goes, yeah, but five years ago we have to renew it. For what? Another 10. I go, no, you don't. Why? Because in two more years it's going to be dead. And they're going to tell, you know what they're going to tell me? It's worth, it's, it's better to buy new than to repair. I've been there, done that. But what, I have a guarantee, don't I? A warrant. I have got a guarantee of my future which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of His glory. Then he starts in verse 15 and following, and that will be the power of His might, and we'll look at that next time. Well, I'm not done with you. Go back to 6.10. Folks, we have a future. God has a cosmic plan out there, and we're a part of it. You have a future. So in the, in, the, in the battle, in the conflict, in the war of life, and when life is bouncing up against your head and you think things just can't get any worse, you're not looking in the right place. What are we to do, 610? Be strong in the Lord. Those things that God the Father has made us in Christ, those things that God the Father has given us in Christ. We're to take our stand. That's what he's going to get into now. Verse 11, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. We're going to stand. And the first provision that God has equipped you with on the inner man is this issue of being strong in the Lord. And we're to take our stand by faith in who God has made you in Christ, in the riches of his grace. All that he's accomplished for you and given to you because of Calvary. 
And when you do that, life is going to be what life is. You're able to wade through it. Come over to 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy 2 verse number 1. Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Our strength, folks, is in Him. So we need to rest. We need to relax. And we need to trust Him. The details of life can be daunting at times. But that issue of life will never be bigger than God's grace. Where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. That life, that situation of life will never be able to move you out of everything and who you are in Christ. You've been sealed. Sealed, that issue of sealed in Scripture has pictures, has a bunch of pictures actually of, one is identity. One is security. Ownership. Secrecy. Obligation. Likeness. 1 Corinthians 10, look at verse number 12. Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he what? Fall. you got to be careful. If you're trying to be strong in yourself, you're going to fall. It's never in our strength. The provision that God has given to you and I, Ephesians 6.10, is to be finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord. The way that we're going to be able to face the adversary, to be able to face the conflict that comes in the Christian life, is to be strong in the Lord and in the riches of His grace. As I look around the room, I know most of you, it starts at Calvary. And you know where it's going to end? At Calvary. Because it starts in Him. And it ends in Him. And when you try to do it in the energy of you, now I'm not talking about, you know, you doing the details daily live. I'm talking about where you get your strength from. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord. And, second provision next time, in the power of His might. And we'll look at that. Our Heavenly Father, we thank You for the morning, Lord. We thank You for Your, your Word. We thank you for the exhortation here of where we're to get our strength. That provision that you gave us in your Son. And we thank you for that. We trust it, we believe it, and we're to live by it. In your name we pray.